This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. Hello, this is Chris Knutson, and this is the show for engineers and technical professionals who want to succeed in both work and life. And in today's episode, I'm going solo to answer questions about why you might want to study and learn about project management and why this can be good for your engineering career and your engineering organization. Before I dive into the main segment, I want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today, PPI. If you're thinking about taking the FE, PE, or SE exam, I recommend that you check out PPI, the leader in engineering exam prep. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Just use promo code COACH at pptopass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com. And use promo code COACH for a 20% discount. All right, now I want to give you a quote related to today's topic on the project management To get us going, and this one comes from Aristotle, first, have a definite, clear, practical idea, a goal, an objective. Second, have the necessary means to achieve your ends, wisdom, money, materials, and methods. Third, adjust all your means to that end. Now it's time to jump right into the main segment. And I'm going to start with some initial thoughts before I dive into the actual questions and uh, answers here. So first up, although this episode is going to be talking about project management, I'm not advocating that one needs to earn the project management professional credential or or any other credential for that matter, because I'm going to touch on some discussions here around credentialing and going after graduate degrees, licensure, and other uh, follow-on education and skills development. So the main point here, just so that's clear up front, that this isn't an episode on advocating for PMP or advocating for any other credential for that matter. All right, so there's the disclaimer about the episode that you're listening to. But what I am going to advocate for is is one of two thought modes. And this is something that you put into effect when you're looking at what are you going to be doing in your career to not only accelerate success, whatever your definition of success might be, but really to be able to develop your skills to be an effective engineer, an effective member of society, of being able to be of service to other people, to your organization, to your nation for that matter. I mean, so here's two different modes of thought that you can have. One is that you know exactly what you want to achieve, and that either requires you to get a credential, a graduate degree, develop some type of a physical or mental skill, get your license, whatever it might be. You know exactly what it is, You've got it spelled out, and you're going there, damn the torpedoes, let's make it happen, bring it on. That's thought mode number one, okay, mode of thought number one. The second thought mode is that you're not entirely sure what your future is going to bring. You don't exactly know what you want to achieve, so you pursue a credential, a degree, licensure, a skill development, either physical or mental, to give you options. Actually, more importantly, to create options, okay? so. Thought mode number one, you know exactly what you want, you go after it, boom, done. Thought mode number two, you're not exactly sure what you want, you're not really sure where it's all going to end up, but you do know that you want to be able to generate options, to create opportunities, and that's the, what you do is you go after 
whatever these credentials are, degrees, again, mental or physical skill development, whatever it might be, okay? You're doing it because you want to give yourself options. And that's actually the way that, that I pursue things. Yeah, I got goals. And we're not going to get into goal development discussion in this episode, but I've got goals and I work towards those. But more importantly, I'm looking at trying to create options and opportunities. And I continue to do that, even though I've already got certifications and licensure and all this other stuff. So it also goes into this thought mode of continual learning, of just wanting to pursue certifications or whatever it might be, because I want to increase my own body of knowledge, okay? And quite frankly, I enjoy studying and and I enjoy thinking. I enjoy creating options and opportunities for myself to be able to serve other people with that knowledge and that understanding and to be able to figure out how does it all fit together throughout my engineering career. So, you know, I didn't even do my, my PMP until well past the 15-year point in my professional career. So it wasn't like I just, you know, right out of the chute, got this thing and started moving out with it. No, it was something I did relatively later in my career. And then I was able to reflect back over my career and go, ah, okay, that would have been useful to know that. So this is a continual learning thing, long game. What this episode is going to be about is building project management into your engineering career, okay, baking it in. What does that mean? Well, I think it means understanding what a project is and what a project management is, okay, in the academic or theoretical sense that you can apply those principles in your real-world experiences to increase effectiveness and boost the outcomes for whoever or whomever, whatever you're serving, whoever you're working for. So a couple things here, we'll, we'll do some definitions up front here. So what's a project? Okay, so it's sure it's what you're working on right now, but here's the Project Management Institute's definition. Okay, so a project is temporary in nature. It has a defined beginning and end in time, and therefore a defined scope and resources. And a project's unique in that it's not routine operations, but a specific set of operations designed to accomplish a singular goal. All right, so that's what a project is. Project management, then, is the application of knowledge, skills, tools, and techniques to project activities to meet project requirements, which always revolve around bringing some benefit to someone or some organization, bringing that benefit into the world in the most effective and efficient means possible. Okay, so that's project management. If you don't have any formal training, you don't undertake some level of self-study about project management, your on-the-job observations and applications in the project management procedures and processes that your organization or your firm provide to you might suffice. But then again, they might not. And I know that many firms and organizations have processes and procedures for managing projects, and they may or may not sync with the theory behind, let's say, PMI or Project Management Institute's Project Management Body of Knowledge, okay, PMBOK. I'm going to use that acronym because it's a little bit easier and less of a mouthful than me consistently having to say project management body of knowledge. So the PMBOK. Okay, and this could be good or bad that your organization, their procedures and processes for PM don't sync up with PMI. That could be good or bad. Okay, so it just depends on the level of maturity around project management in your organization. And oftentimes, you know, as time goes by, processes and procedures in any organization that we're in are going to adjust to the realities of project implementation for the organization. And it's also going to adjust based off of the maturity around project management and program management that your organization or your firm has. Meaning that if it's not very mature, that there really aren't stringent, rock-solid procedures and processes in place, they're going to morph to the individual personalities that come through the organization. I've seen it and I've lived with it. That's 
how it works in most organizations, I think. Okay, so all that means is that having some fundamental knowledge of what project management is, what good project management is, and what it isn't, that's really good to have, just so that you have at least some kind of a baseline knowledge of what to expect. So, of course, if you don't know the fundamentals, then you're really not going to know the difference of what I'm talking about here. But, but it would be worthwhile at least having just a basic understanding. All right, so I'm going to get off my soapbox and the introduction here. I just wanted to have some of these little caveats up front before I get into the Q&A session. I think the most important one being, again, that foot stop here. I'm not advocating PMP credentialing in, in this episode. I'm literally just saying that I think having a baked-in understanding of the project management fundamentals is going to be of benefit to any engineer, regardless if all they want to do is be a very focused subject matter expert in engineering or if they want to proceed into project management leadership at higher levels in their organization. Okay, so first up is a question that I've been asked often regarding project management, and that is, do you really follow each of the process groups and create plans for each of the knowledge areas as they're presented in PMI's project management body of knowledge? All right, so that project management body of knowledge, as I've already said, that's known as the PMBOK, P-M-B-O-K, PMBOK, and so this question is really referencing the five process groups that are presented in that PMBOK, and that is those five process groups are initiating, planning, executing, monitoring, and controlling, and closing. So these are the five stages that every project is supposed to go through. And I think if you take a moment and reflect on projects that you've been exposed to, you could see where that project went through the initiation stage, and there was some planning, it was executed, Hopefully, there was some level of monitoring and controlling. Usually, construction management type activities are going on there. And then closing. Projects closed up financially, and it's done. High fives all around, and we move on to the next project. So those are the five stages every project is supposed to go through. And as I already mentioned at the beginning here, we want to remember that projects have defined starts. They have a defined duration. And hence, there's a defined end date. So the knowledge areas that this questionnaire uh, referenced are, there's 10 of them, and they cover a number of different things to include integration, integration of different activities, strategy, planning with daily operations, et cetera. So that what PMI terms integration. Then there's also the, the big three, scope, cost, and time. Some of you may know that as the project triangle. Included in there then also is quality, procurement, human resources, communications, risk management, and stakeholder management. All right, so there's 10 knowledge areas, five process groups. I just provide that to you so that we're working off the same sheet of music here. So the question was, you know, do I follow each of these process groups and create plans for each of the knowledge areas? And the answer is, no, I don't. In fact, I don't have experience of ever having done that. Um, We're having specific milestones written out on projects where I say, okay, now I am initiating, now I am planning, now we are closing. The level of project management maturity in the organizations I've been in hasn't called for that. However, caveat, the project management in the organizations that I've worked in has existed so that we have stepped through those five phases. They may not just necessarily have been called what they are here, and they may have been measured out over years, many, many years in some cases. And so that oftentimes really the only areas that I was really focusing on was execution, monitoring, controlling, and not even closing because I was moved on to another position uh, before the project was ever being completed. So 
I have seen, however, on smaller duration projects, them go through each of the five stages. And so what I'll say is I'm just coming off of a program where I had multiple projects that I was running, and I did make an effort to structure my thought processes around the five stages. Okay, so it's one good way of looking at it. You can look at it as groups. That may be kind of a concept that, that isn't easily wrapped, uh, you know, wrapped into the head. But you could look at them as stages. Every project goes through this initiation stage, planning, execution, monitoring, controlling, and closing stage. I do follow and I have followed the stages. Now, have I generated plans that are associated with risk management or stakeholder management? Have I really sat down and thought, okay, how am I going to integrate each of these aspects? No, I haven't done that. Now, have I thought about different elements and components? Well, yes, I have done that. And what my understanding of project management has allowed me to do is to at least understand and know the concepts behind the project triangle, okay, the the importance of that, that scope, cost, time, the importance of those components, the importance of quality and how quality affects scope, cost, time. How do all those interact? An understanding of where procurement fits in, an understanding of the importance of communications and the importance of stakeholder management, and also an important understanding of risk management, how to assess or identify risks and how to develop plans. And a lot of this I do now on the fly. Okay, I've been at this for a while and I've got this understanding of, okay, hey, this project really doesn't have a high level of risk. So I'm not going to sit down and do a detailed risk management plan. However, I need to know who all the stakeholders are. And so I have done that. And I've done that even recently in the past year with some of the projects I've executed where I write down all the stakeholders and, and what role they have. And more importantly, what level of communications do I need to have with them? So I've done that. I've done various elements of this. Cost and scope, those I've definitely done. Okay, what is it that I'm trying to accomplish? What are the outcomes that I'm looking for? What are the objectives? What benefits am I trying to get out of this? And then everything's cost-bound. You know, so what's the cost? What am I really trying to, to get knocked out here? What am I going to be able to do with the cost? So those are important elements to, uh, to consider, and that only comes through either a very astute observation of what's going on in the projects that you're working, if you haven't had any formal project management training, or it comes through actually sitting down and doing that training yourself, okay? I think that's what's important here is that you understand the stages of a project, its life cycle, and the types of issues that you need to be aware of, and how you might go about doing that. So simply understanding those stages and different elements have helped me deliver better projects because I'm able to think through the project in a linear fashion, start to finish. I think it can do the same thing for you. And at least it gives you an understanding of how to assess something and, and where you're going to have to act. That was a good question that I've often gotten asked about project management. And now I'm going to shift over to a question that comes from a member of our engineering mastermind, Sean Kliniger. Really good question. He's actually asked a couple of them here I'm going to hit today. His first one here is, is, my company offers project management training. They state that project management is not a natural progression. Do you agree? I don't see this as a discouragement. As a knowledge worker, it's advantageous to pick up new knowledge no matter what. Well, first up, I completely agree with Sean's statement that knowledge workers need to pick up new knowledge no matter what. And that goes to what I talked about at the start of this episode, which is you need to assess what we're working towards. What are you working towards? Okay, is it a specific feature that you know for certain requires specific knowledge, or are you trying to build opportunity by increasing your knowledge base? 
Okay, so this is where I'd put project management training, whether it's specifically tied because your company says, hey, you need to go do this, or you're doing it because, hey, I want to create options for myself. Because depending on what you're going to be doing, some positions are going to require you to have that PMP certification, especially if you're looking at trying to move into some international opportunities and definitely in the international development realm. Now, is PM or project management a natural progression for engineers? And I'm going to have to say yes and no, okay? So we'll start with the negative here. I'm going to say it's not for engineers who wish to become masters in their craft of design, research, they're in academia, etc. Okay, so if you intend to go deep in applied engineering, I'm going to go to the side that says that project management is not a natural progression for you. In fact, it could be a distraction. I think understanding the principles of project management is useful. I think it's useful, quite frankly, for everyone, because no matter whether it's a project, you know, you're building a building, doing a retrofit on a bridge, or you're trying to put together an outing for your daughter's Girl Scout troop, it's a project. There's initiation, there's planning, there's execution, there's monitoring and controlling, and then there's closing it out. I mean, it just happens. That might be beneficial, but is it a natural progression? I don't think so. For those individuals who are interested and who are becoming masters in their craft and want to go deep. Now, I would say that, yes, it is a natural progression for the rest of us. So, you know, if you start out as a design engineer, after some period of time, you might move to be in a section or a team manager or an element manager. It just depends on what your your firm or your organization calls that mid-level or low-level management position. Okay, so you're going to be in this section or team manager role, and perhaps, you know, your firm may even use the, the title project manager, okay? Or you actually are managing a project, or you're managing several projects. So the move from design engineer, where you're responsible for your designs, reporting to a senior, more senior engineer, or being a part of a project team, to managing that project, that often includes working with or leading people who don't work together, okay, sometimes from different sections of the organization or geographies, I'd call that a progression, whether it's natural or man-made. So yes and no, project management can be a natural progression. No for those who want to go deep and want to be subject matter experts. And yes for everyone else who's looking to move into managerial and leadership roles. Having that project management knowledge is absolutely essential. So let's move on to another question here. This one comes from David Young, also a member of the Engineer Mastermind. And he's asking, can I combine my project management business development efforts together? If so, how? They coincide in many areas from writing new proposals to obtaining feedback after project completion. This is especially important on larger projects if we are to expect returning customers and stakeholders. Absolutely, David. I would completely agree with you on on the statement portion of your question. And to get to your question portion of your question, which is the combination of project management and business development, you know, I'd approach that melding by starting with the project management process groups and just kind of think through how does business development, you know, the business development activities or actions, how are those present in or affected by each of the groups? Okay. So for instance, when you're initiating the project, say it's going to be a new product or you're increasing manufacturing capacity or maybe creating a new process or algorithm intended to increase business efficiency, all right? You're a consulting firm. So you start 
potentially by assessing future clients who might benefit from your organization's projects. So from a business development standpoint, you're going out trying to find new clients, you're socializing this new ideas, this new, hey, we're increasing our capacity to manufacture widget X, and this could benefit your company by providing you with a alternate source or additional generation capability. Or you're a consulting firm and you've got a new capability that you're looking at bringing on board. Let's say you want to integrate BIM into your firm's capability and offerings, service offerings. Right at the beginning, when you're thinking about this, this could be one of those things you're out with either your existing clients or perhaps new customers socializing these ideas to find out, hey, is this something that they would even consider purchasing? Would they purchase the service product or capability? That's a potential business development link there at the first stage of initiating. Then in planning, you might even include the client in the process, especially if they're a client that you've had on board for a while. So they may be directly and integrated into the planning process or maybe provide you with knowledge of what the market's going to really want. And then with that information, as you collect it either from the initiating stage or working collaboratively with your client or clients, that could then and probably would affect and adjust your plan. So in short, your business development activities from the initiating phase then become a component that gets addressed during the planning phase. And then as you move into execution, your business development activities might include keeping those prospective future clients, customers up to date on the project's process, continuing to build more market and sharing and socializing the capabilities with potential clients. And if you're executing the project for an existing client or customer, Well, this phase, this execution phase is really important because if the project's poorly executed, if it's over budget, behind schedule, it's poor quality, scope is completely busted, then you're creating a situation where your client's not likely to repeat business with you. But if you're delivering the goods on scope, the scope's tight, it's within budget or below budget, it's ahead of schedule or on schedule, it's of acceptable contractual level of quality or exceptional quality, then you're creating situations where your clients are going to repeat. That's business development there. In fact, it's the easiest and the best kind is because you're providing, you're fulfilling expectations. You have repeat customers. Those are the best kind that any company, whether it's an engineering firm or anyone, even in organizations that maybe aren't in the for-profit realm, that's what they want. It's a lot easier to work with people that you already know than it is to try to create that from scratch. Okay, so when you move into the monitoring and controlling segment, there might not, and I'm kind of racking my brain around this one, trying to figure out, hey, are there specific overt business development activities here? And as an activity, I really think that monitoring and controlling is more of an internal effort. Okay, it's expended. You do this to keep scope, cost, schedule, and quality in check. Now, but the business development aspect could be the outcome that effective monitoring and controlling enables. So that means that if you're not really doing good monitoring and controlling, so your project management processes are poor in this area, you could end up with a project that's, again, outside of scope, above budget, you know, off schedule. That's going to make business development activities a lot more challenging potentially. But if you've got good, tight monitoring and controlling capabilities in place on your project, that's only going to benefit business development activities. Monitoring and controlling is a really important reason why you might want to build in project management capability and understanding. And so we've stepped through the four phases, this last one of closeout. If you latch that up in business development efforts, that might include letting all those leads that you generated during the initiation phase know that, hey, our project's coming to completion. 
sitting down with those with those individuals, letting them know, hey, what does this look like now? Let's move to the next stage where we're actually supporting you. Um, it could be sitting down with a client for who you're executing that project for to gain their feedback and testimonial, or perhaps capturing you know the who, what, where, when, how, why that you can use along with imagery and testimonials for future proposals. As a project manager, business development won't be your lead role. However, your daily actions and overall effectiveness as project manager and the overall effectiveness of project management processes and maturity within your organization in delivering projects that are within scope, on time, within budget, and of good quality are going to greatly affect your organization's business development efforts so you got to keep that in mind. And again, a main reason for building this project management processes and procedures into the organization, or at least into you, is so that you can contribute to your organization's ability to be able to generate benefits for the clients and the customers that you have, which ultimately are going to be reflected in getting re- repeat customers. So that's a great question by David and how those two business development and project management can link up with each other. Moving on here through the question jar. Here's another one that I've been asked in the past. Does following project management processes really deliver benefits more efficiently? That's a great question because it's asking, you know, what's the return on investment for applying project management processes? You know, is it worth all this effort, either either individually or at the organization level? And at the organization level, there's a lot more effort that's got to go into this because not only do you have to have people trained effectively in project management, but you have to have the procedures and the processes in place and generate the forms that are going to be used, understand how you're going to do knowledge management on the back end, that is the collection of documentation, et cetera. So, so there is an amount of effort that's got to be put in place in order to have a tight and mature project management process and procedure in place. So I think it's a great question. So I used to think, and I still do, that following project management processes is all about consistency. So I'll be consistent in my management of a project. I'll have the same processes and procedures. I'm going to use the same forms. I'll manage my documentation the same way. I'm even going to provide team members, my boss, clients, whomever, with a reliable and expected way of getting things done. I do think that following project management processes can generate more efficient benefits because there's a consistent methodology that's being applied. Okay, so the guesswork is removed. It's at least reduced. Um, You've got algorithms that you're using. And if those algorithms are correct, you're going to run a better probability of generating consistent outcomes in your project delivery. Okay, that is the projects that are going to be, again, within scope, under budget, and within the contractual completion dates and of contractual quality. However, I, I read an article recently by Mark... Mullaly from projectmanagement.com, and that calls into question the true importance of consistency in applied project management. So what Mark relayed was that there's some findings that came out of a value of project management research project that demonstrated in some organizations, they were able to realize significant tangible value with relatively immature practices. I'll say firsthand that I have experience in this because, again, most of the organizations that I've operated within have had immature certainly not very structured project management procedures in place and tangible value benefits, the mission got accomplished, the project got built, things got done, even though there may not have been a very stringent project management structure in place. Okay, so you can have tangible value delivered with immature practices around project management. And this was primarily found to be in organizations 
in the business of selling project management services. That's where they did this. But again, I've already stated that I've experienced and seen this applied in an organization where architectural engineering construction was being accomplished. When you're operating, let's say, in a market where there's a lot of demand, whether you have consistency and rigor of practices, you can probably still get through. Now, however, a different picture emerged that Mark found when organizations who implemented project management for their internal projects, okay, so projects that they were accomplishing for themselves. And in these instances, there was a measurable relationship between the maturity of practices employed and the level of value delivered. So typically, the higher level of maturity, the higher the value. In other words, when organizations care about how well their internal projects are managed, consistency matters. So that could be the implementation of, let's say, that BIM capability I I used as an example previously. If your organization has a very limited understanding of project management processes, then the implementation of BIM, which is going to include training for individuals to, to be able to understand the theory and the application of it, procurement of software, procurement of perhaps hardware that you need to be able to actually do this. If you don't have a very tight project management process in place, that project scope could very quickly go off the rails, costs could go really high. And so therefore, with a very immature project management process, your benefits aren't likely to be delivered as efficiently. Whereas if you've got a good project management process in place, you've got the monitoring and controlling capabilities already established. There's a governance board. People are really actually interested in what the scope says. And there's also interest in over the financing piece of it so that cost and time are tracked effectively. Okay, so we're talking earned value management where we're actually looking to understand what value we're getting out of an effort. So that's why I think project management processes can really deliver benefits more efficiently. So again, why do you care? Well, what consistency delivers a common language and terminology? That means you care about this because consistency delivers this common language and terminology. It's what's expected of project teams as well. They know what they're supposed to do. You know what you're supposed to do. And the work of managing projects is uniformly understood. Everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing. Members of the organization are then able to readily collaborate with each other and share common ways of thinking and speaking about project management approaches because you're all using the same terminology and language. Deliverables are consistently defined, therefore familiar, making them easier to review and compare, and people are able to move between teams and projects without needing to reorient themselves. So those are some big high-level reasons why project management processes can deliver benefits more efficiently because Everybody already knows what's supposed to happen. You're not doing county options on every project. You, as a project manager, aren't having to try to recreate the wheel every time. So what do you do if you're in an organization that has a very immature project management process in place? There aren't set forms. You don't have a a set process. Nobody really particularly cares to do governance with you. I've been there before. I've run programs like that. And my answer to you is you establish your process. You can start by looking at those five stages of the project, the five process groups. You can consider the 10 knowledge areas, okay? Kind of look at things for scope, cost, time, risk, communications, stakeholder management, resources. Assess the projects you're working on from those perspectives. And there's a plethora of information that's readily available and open source out on the internet when it comes to forms that you can use for establishing a scope and developing a project charter and doing stakeholder management and a risk matrix. That stuff is all out there. You can get access to it. 
but you put this project management process in place so that you're going to be able to deliver, at least at your own individual level, projects consistently, and that may be the leadership activity that needs to be done at your organizational level to get everybody else on board. So the bottom line is, I think project management processes, they deliver benefits more efficiently because there's less guesswork, there's less variability, less trying to figure out what to do next. Important stuff. One final question for this session. This is another one that comes from uh, Sean Kliniger. And this is another, another good one. He had two really great questions here, Sean. I appreciate that. So this final question for this session is, how is the project management role different from a leadership role? Why would you focus on project management when project managers are completely removed from engineering? Is a leadership role then required to become a project manager? Maybe I'm looking at this through the lenses of my firm and my own work environment where project managers don't lead projects here on a day-to-day basis. Yes, Sean, I think this is an organizationally dependent situation that you're facing because in my experience, project managers do lead projects on a daily basis and are involved with engineering throughout that project delivery. And there's always going to be variability in how organizations approach establishing the roles and responsibilities between project manager and the other people who are going to be matrixed to that project team, especially since most likely the engineers and other subject matter experts are likely working on several projects simultaneously. So in the experiences I've seen, project managers aren't completely removed. They may not be decisively involved in the detailed engineering, but they certainly are involved in the engineering because they're the ones that are supposed to be interacting with everyone. So the engineers, the planners, leadership from a governance standpoint, and the client, you know, the key stakeholders. That's what the project manager's role is to be, and they should be involved in doing the leadership on that project day-to-day basis. That's just something that's kind of, hey, we'll pick it up as a side project. Hey, we need you to be the project manager today, and tomorrow it's going to be Jill. Jill will take it. It shouldn't be that kind of county option thing. Project management is about process. It's about procedure. It's about frameworks, okay, and implementing those five phases which we've talked about from initiation through closeout. Have you leadership? get us into a completely different discussion, but leadership is that special sauce, okay? It's the persuasion, the influence, communications, team building, emotional intelligence. It's all of those elements that go into leading a group of people. Whereas Dwight Eisenhower once stated, leadership is the art of getting someone else to do something you want because he or she wants to do it. The two are combined in the act of managing project, all right? So I don't see them as two separate roles, okay? A project manager's role is a leadership one. And in fact, PMI, Project Management Institute, even highlights this in their PMBOK, stating that the interpersonal skills a project manager uses most often include leadership, that's the first one, influencing, and effective decision-making. So these are the skills that I would say that leaders have to employ to be effective. And PMI is stating that for project managers, they've got to do the same thing. So in, in my mind, the way I've always viewed it is project managers are leaders. And yes, we can get into the long discussion about the differences between the word manage and lead, but at the end of the day, project managers are leaders. And I'll suggest that developing leadership skills and project management skills through self-study is only going to make you more effective in your engineering work, even if you have no interest in being a project manager yourself. And why is that? Well, because the knowledge of what's supposed to occur when it comes to project management is only going to make you more effective as an active, informed and motivated member of the team. If you don't know how something's supposed to be done, then you're more likely to question the efficacy of that process 
if you do understand how it's supposed to be done, even if you don't care to be the project manager, if you understand the process and the direction and you bring the issue across in the right way, you're going to have the credibility to make suggestions that are more likely to be accepted and possibly draft change. Lots of great questions. I hope you appreciated the, uh, the time here. I hope you learned something. And as always, you can reach out and send those questions through either to Anthony or myself. Always available and enjoyed being able to share some insight and some thoughts around project management. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show. And today I'm going to give you a final piece of insight on skills development. But before I do, I'd like to recognize our sponsor for today, PPI. Engineers often ask me what exam prep materials or review courses they should use when preparing for the FE, PE, or SE exam. Hands down, I recommend PPI. Now, I personally use PPI's materials to pass my exams, and I recently had a chance to demo their review courses. It's why I feel confident recommending PPI for those of you planning to take the next step in your career. So PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast just use promo code COACH at pptopass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com. And use promo code COACH for a 20% discount. Okay, during this episode, I talked quite a bit about developing skills to be prepared and to generate opportunities. I think that all too often a person looks at picking up a certification or attending a webinar or seminar or learning anything new as a value proposition. If I do this, what am I going to get in return? When is it going to develop? When am I going to see my results? I'm expecting them immediately. Now, I think a value proposition is a legitimate question to consider. What do I get in return? But I think what the challenge comes up to is the timeline associated with that. Are you going to realize your return next week, in six months, a year, three years, five, 20 years? Does that make working towards and learning something new not worth the effort if it's, let's say, going to take three years to materialize? So perhaps if you're planning the short game, that might be a challenge for you. You may be expecting to see something like almost immediately. Hey, I'm going to get this certification. I'm expecting that it's going to generate for me a new job or a raise or some other tangible or intangible result, and I'm going to see it immediately. Okay, but despite all of our skills at planning as engineers, we're still human and not particularly adept at predicting the future, especially for ourselves. So the next time you're weighing the question about whether it's worth investing the time, the energy, the money into a degree, certification, or some other physical or mental skill development effort, ask yourself, am I deciding on doing this because I'm playing the short game, meaning that I want immediate gratification, or am I deciding on doing this for the long game? creating new opportunities, ones perhaps that I can't even picture where I'm standing right now today. And with that, until next time, please continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.